This is Saul Luckman. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Conversations on Saul Luckman Uncensored, sponsored by snoozetoawaken.com, resources for lucidity. For more information about my work, including a lot of cutting-edge free content, check out crowrising.com. I'm also on Telegram, where I'm sharing daily truth bombs at t.me slash Luckman, and I'm absolutely crushing it on Substack at Luckman. Dot .substack.com. I want to let you know I'm in the process of modifying whom and what I entertain on this platform. Specifically, I'll no longer be providing interviews focused on COVID or germ theory. If you're interested in where I'm coming from on this subject that I'm frankly sick of, pun intended, I invite you to check out one of my most hard-hitting Substack articles to date, if I do say so myself, which I'll link to in the show notes. Is the scientific method broken or did it never actually exist in the first place? As you'll see in that article, my focus is shifting towards sharing more information on simulation theory. As I do in another recent Substack exclusive, also linked to, that a lot of people have found fascinating. Trigger alert. There's abundant evidence supporting simulation theory and the Phoenix phenomenon. On a similar wavelength, I also just published a highly informative and empowering ebook only available on Substack, Playing in the Magic, How to Manifest Whatever You Desire in the Simulation. Check out this link in the show notes as well. If you're a researcher, author, influencer, or content creator interested in talking simulation theory and related topics with me on this show, by all means, drop me a line. I'm not a proponent of channeling or the recent reincarnation trap or history denialist psyops, so please keep that in mind. I'm also open to coming on other podcasts as a guest to drill down into what's up in the simulacrum and how we can survive and thrive here. Today, I'm psyched to welcome back the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Brashears of Archaics.com who has in short order become a major source of inspiration for me personally and literally tens of thousands of other fans around the simulacrum. He's also stirred up a proverbial shite storm in the community of alternative content creators on YouTube and elsewhere who are very threatened by the truths that he reveals. If you still haven't caught our first interview, Coding Loops Inside the Simulacrum, available on my YouTube channel, Crow Rising, I just want to share that a number of listeners commented that this was by far, quote unquote, their favorite interview of Jason ever. This is seriously high praise since he's appeared on a number of channels much larger and more well-known than mine. By way of introduction, for a man who practically needs none, here's what I had to say about Jason in Trigger Alert. I entertained the notion that so-called reality might be merely a hologram, yes, and I wrote about this in some depth in my first published book, but then perhaps succumbing to the pressure to conform to normative conceptions, it was all too easy to lose my intuitive sense of the unreality of reality 
and embrace the kaleidoscopic lie that there's somehow a here, here. Then, just as I was perhaps on the verge of being sucked out of my idiosyncratic, individuated self and subsumed back into the collective duality designed to enslave bodies, minds, and spirits here in this nowhere, I encountered the monumental and paradigm-shattering body of work produced by ex-con and maverick historian Jason Brashears of Archaics. On the heels of a troubled adolescence, running away from home as a young teen, and finding himself on the wrong side of the legal system after a disastrous situation not entirely of his own making, that he's had the guts to detail extensively on his YouTube channel, Jason spent over a quarter of a century in Texas prisons, educating himself in history and a range of complementary subjects to such an extent that few, if any, professors emeriti have read as deeply and widely. Having spent a good portion of my own life in and otherwise connected to the prison of academia, I speak with some knowledge on this subject. Thanks so much for coming back on the show, Jason. How the heck are you with every troll on the payroll and his brother out there coming after you these days? Well, they are giving me a lot of free advertising and, uh, you know, free marketing is not bad marketing. You know, they get they get tripped up in the details, but you know what? Just let them go. Just let them blow because uh, they're they're actually feeding my channel. And if 10,000 people hating on me brings 10 quality subs, I'm all for that because the world is a very big place. And I used to, with the same energy that I do videos today, I was doing them when I had less than 300 subs for a very long time. So nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to keep moving forward. As a matter of fact, my pace has increased now that I am absolutely full-time archaics. Yeah, I've, I've really picked up on that. You had that one little slowdown when you were doing some of the Christmas tree light stuff. Yeah, and that's it. That's I had to. I had to close in. I mean, I can't. I can't rely on others to do things. My name is on that advertising. My name is. My name is in the in this community here. I've done a lot of business with a lot of people, and I can't just. Uh, people who have expected certain treatment year after year after year after year. My company provides that. That still has to continue, but I have to make sure those foremen know what they're doing. And when they don't, I need to show up personally so customers will know that hey, man, things are still in control. But yeah, I've closed all that out. I'm done with that now. I've moved on. Well, congratulations. And I certainly respect where you're, you're coming from with all of that. That's that's wonderful. Um, you know, I don't want to move past the, uh, the, the shite storm that I mentioned without speaking to how you're handling it, because I think it's really, really cool. There's a, there's a scene at the end of my novel snooze where the character is is he takes all there's a very dangerous situation he's being attacked on all sides by all kinds of creatures and it's a sci-fi uh, story and he then is hit with this massive blast of energy that he takes in and then sends it back out and he transmutes it from being you know maybe a more aggressive form of energy to being a kind of peacemaking energy and all of these creatures just kind of get dazed and confused and wander off and leave him alone and leave the people alone that he's trying to protect and i see you kind of aikidoing the situation and using that energy you did a video on this subject then i think it was a it was a real teaching moment for a lot of people on how to handle criticism hate trolling and that sort of thing i would love for you to just talk a little bit about that if you don't mind because it's it was beautiful what you put out <laughs> well, there there has been, I have, throughout the course of my growth in the past three years on YouTube, you know, my my core archaic sites, the ones that have been with me almost from the beginning, they, 
they see the ups and downs in my life and, and problems I had as a contractor and doing different things. And there would be situations that would introduce negativity in my life. And I always turn them into lessons. They begin as rants. And this is why my van vlogs became really, really popular because I wasn't just ranting about normal everyday things we can all associate with, but I was also turning those into lessons. And while I was also turning them into lessons, I was giving historical anecdotes for similar events that happened before. And this is how it was handled back then. And I turned a lot of, a lot of rants into history lessons, but uh, with the current, with the current amount of attacks, it's not surprising to me. I mean, from the very beginning, I went by my, my own identity, which is really hard because it's a, I mean, um, I already knew from the beginning that people would do a deep dig on me simply because I knew the information. I knew the quality of the data was going to bring uh, a lot of attention to me. Now, i really believed it was going to be more gradual than this, but in 2022, I really have exploded. There is no doubt. So, uh, but it's, it's not something... I have been surrounded by enemies all of my life, and I have always had the unique ability to reverse somebody's polarity. And I'm not talking about just physically. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, there was a lot of physical situations in prison, believe that. Uh, but it's energy is energy, and it doesn't matter if the, the beacon that is producing energy focused at me, it doesn't matter if it's positive or it doesn't matter if it's negative. It's all, it's, it, it matters how it's received because energy is just pure energy. It's like the neutral field of the simulacrum itself. People think reality is out to get them. It's not. It's neutral. But the belief that reality is out to get them will necessarily forge the conditions in your life where you will have re re you will have confirmation bias all the time because events will happen at such negative frequencies in your life that it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. But you projected that. Well, it's the same thing with people sending all this energy, all trying to try trying to convince people that I am not who I say I am. And then using my past, which for the most part is true. I mean, they've added a lot of details that are untrue, but it doesn't matter. But it's this energy they send to other people isn't received the way they think it's received because most of those other people are intelligent. And yeah, they're curious. I'm the story of the day. So they come to my channel and they look, and then here's what happens. Many of those people come to my channel and find something else and they resonate with it and they hang around. Three weeks later, they're a sub. Three weeks after that, they're they're in the chat with everybody else as if they've been here for three years. So, so I'm not worried about the haters and all the energy directed at me. It's never, I'm, I'm done worried about that. I'm going to transmute the negativity into positive energy. If people are going to lend me that much of their life, I'm not a murderer. I'm not going to let it die. I'm going to take that life and I'm going to build with it because it's, it's, it's less that I have to do. It's all, everything is about energy. Soul. Every, everything's about energy and energy doesn't have a good or bad. It's neutral. The good or bad comes from the receiver and the way it's received. And if you receive total, total, totally negative energy or the intent of energy is sent to you negatively. You don't have to receive it that way. I can absorb that, 
I, I can do a short little meditation of about 10, 15 seconds and just forge in my mind this tremendous amount of data that is being sent through the field to me. I don't have to receive it as hate. I can see, I can build and construct with it. And then I can show a blueprint to the simulacrum of, look, man, all this energy right here that's focused on me, this is where I need it to go. Um, this is the idea I have for a new video and I need to go to sleep. And when I wake up, I need to have this video done. And this is how I live my life. And every night I go to sleep with problems, but when I wake up, the solutions are there and they're always there. And then this is why I put out so many videos and each video is packed with so much data because you guys think it's me doing that but i've been saying from the beginning i'm a conduit i just allow this in, the information's in the field brother that's where it's at i just i've got i've gotten very good at pulling it out of the field and then using my mouth as a conduit for the world to hear it Yes, I've read a lot. Yes, I've data mined a tremendous amount. I've collated data and all that. But I'm not doing that when I'm when I'm doing these freestyle videos and these van vlogs and when I'm discussing things with you right now. No, I'm pulling information out of the field because it's there for all of us to to have. But you just have to have the receptive apparatus ready to receive it. It's always there. I'm a student of Ishak Bintov. I've told you this before. Yes. That man was dead. He was dead right. All you got to do is sit still, try to meditate. And if you're honest with yourself and you try to zero out your mind and not think about anything, thoughts will begin invading rapidly one after another. Next thing you know, the force of motion will overcome your being. If you're sitting Indian style in a closed room and, and you've got no sound interrupting you, or any, no dogs barking in the background, nothing to focus on, and you try to meditate, you're not going to be successful. What's going to happen is that you're going, you're going to basically coalesce with the field, and that field is always moving. We're not. We're, we're, we're in stasis. We're not moving. It's all imaginary. It's all simulated. But the field is moving, and it's packed with information, and, the, and this neutral field will bring the data to you that you search for. But... If you have an emotional investment in anything, it will also reflect those things back as circumstance. And that's why it's a double-edged sword. So let them hate, soul. Let them hate. Because they're not going to do anything but look back about 90 days from now and see that Archaics has 145,000 subscribers and uh, a spreading a footprint everywhere. And I'm going to tell you now, there's some big things going on behind the scenes, right? I, I got some, I got the attention of some people that may blow this big bigger than I've ever imagined. I ever thought it was going to go, but this is all in the works. So let the haters hate because it's the architecture of my personality that people have come to trust. And though the and through that development, yes, I came from a dark place, but I'm not that person anymore. So this is this is this is where the line of demarcation has been drawn. And now we're starting to see those who are basically walking the walk and those who have been full of bullshit from the beginning, those who have preached forgiveness all their lives and then all of a sudden find in archaics an exception. It, it calls into question everything else they've ever preached. So I'm cool with it, man. I'm, I'm really cool with it. It is a shit storm and it's going to get worse. But you know what? It's going to get worse for the perceiver on the outside looking in because I'm on the inside looking out and things are just fine right here from my perspective.
Yeah, right on. I mean, I agree with so much of what you uh, said or everything you, that you said just now. In my own experience, I was I've always had a way of tapping into the to the simulation, the morphic field, the noosphere, whatever you want to call it, right? And I have been very inspired and productive for years and years and years, but I have to say that this renewed interest in the simulation concept for me having encountered your work has really kind of lit my hair on fire and i've just been producing all kinds of content rapidly passionately of a very high quality having lots of really really good feedback so i know that um, even people who are already very uh, accomplished creators can take their game to the next level by looking at the world in this way and embracing it in the way that you're talking about and teaching. But I wanted to go back a little bit because I don't want to let this go because this is really important. You know, I was I was corresponding with another channel that you've been on. I won't, I won't uh, mention who that was today, but they were saying that, you know, yeah, we're getting a lot of heat, you know, from our subs and stuff, you know, from the shitstorm that's going on uh, with Jason. And and I was just thinking today, you know, I, I would expect, it, I would just naturally assume that a lot of Christian fundamentalists would would have issues with a, a lot of what you're teaching, even though, of course, what you're teaching is kind of the core of, of what would be considered real Christianity in my in my view. Uh, but I, what I'm really a little bit surprised by, actually not that surprised, but it's taken me aback, the intensity of it, is all of the people who are in what I have called the consciousness movement, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, al alternative thinkers, people doing... Uh, energy work or tarot or whatever, who have really just come out swinging. And I, I wanted uh, to just talk about this phenomenon a little bit and how you, how you, <clears throat> like what you think is going on. I see them as being threatened and their livelihoods are being threatened. You know, if, if, if you're, if you're questioning the, the, well, not so much the legitimacy, but the historical uh, background for something like tarot. I could see if you're making your living doing that, you know, this could upset you. But here's what, here's what, you know, you're, well, let me just, let me just con connect this last thought. I have not interpreted you, uh, what you've been saying about these subjects as being uh, sort of uh, broad brush condemnations of those things, but you are saying that they don't have an ancient pedigree and that they are ultimately what you make of them. Not that they don't work necessarily, but that they are yes. just, they are just a, they're like, they're a fabrication like everything else. And how can you use that fabrication? If you get really good at it, maybe you can do miracles with it. Well, um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yes, a lot of people in the community have taken offense, but the real, the real issue here isn't I didn't con I, there, this was not a condemnation of the tarot system, and many people made that comment in the in the video I did because a lot of people perceived it to be. I was showing that it wasn't ancient at all. It's very modern provenance. Uh, that but that's not what the tarot readers put out. They put out videos and publish books and publish articles trying to convince their 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 uh, uh, constituents basically that this is a very ancient system. It goes back to Egypt. And all. It's not. But in my video, it was very, very clear. Tarot was the focus of the video, but I was actually addressing every other system of, of divination. And I was very, very clear that it's never the method. It's always the man. 
So this is the true issue of why people are angry because it's brought to the table, the idea and people understood it instantly when I said it and I gave examples, it's, it's now thrown back this question of veracity because now, okay, well, it's not the tarot. So it's not how good that I know the symbols of the tarot. Now, Archaics is telling everybody that it's me. It's, it's, this is all me. This is all a projection for me. I'm just using the tarot as a tool. It could go for dowsing. It could go for knuckle bones. It could, it could go for throwing dice. It could go for reading tea leaves or coffee grains in the bottom of a cup. Whatever the system of divination is, those are just the particulars, and those mean nothing. There are no systems in this world that have any value outside the person that is executing that system, that's using that system. That's another teaching from a very, very complex book called Liber Chaos by Peter, I think it's Peter Carroll. Yes. Uh, that book is phenomenal. A lot of people have sent me emails when I recommended that book in other videos and they ordered that book or got a free PDF or whatever. And, they, and some people told me it was one of the best books they ever read on the subject of magic. And others told me it was just too, too deep. They couldn't, they couldn't wrap their mind around it because the book is very, very deep, yeah, I but it, it taps I into, it. it taps into a phenomenon that, that, through cognition, we can create any type of magical structure and it will work for us, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. But when it comes to tarot, a system that was that was invented in the last, you know, 550 years, and then adaptations were made and then accretions were developed and added to it to, until we got basically what we have today that's date, that dates to about 1805, 1815, that area there. The tarot, we 78 cards with the, the artwork, basically what we have today. It's unchanged in the past 200 years. Just maybe some of the meanings, there are a lot of additions have been added to the meanings. But there are whole websites that are dedicated to digital tarots where there isn't a single human involved. It's all digitized. It's random number generators producing cards that you tap on the screen with your touch screen and it pulls up your reading for the little five card readings for the day. Listen, it's never the man. It's all, I mean, it's never the method. It is always the individual. So, yes, uh, I, I can see why they would be mad at me, but they're, the collective anger of everybody in the truther community is never going to get me to abridge what I believe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always put out what, what, what I believe to be true and what I believe I can show. I, I don't believe that all the tarot card readers are, are honest. I don't believe that at all. Why take your videos down after you do tarot, code, tarot card predictions? What's the worth in that? Shouldn't everybody be able to see everything you put up in the past? Why take your channel down and then blame YouTube for it when almost 100 videos that you put out come out to be not true? It's just, listen, there's many, many examples in, the, in, that, in that area. I don't, I'm not trying to name anybody, and I don't care. I'm not demon chasing. I don't, I just don't, I'm not going on the attack. But when it comes to these, these little, all these channels about Galactic Federation and all these uh, extraterrestrial species and people channeling this information and all this unverifiable material, listen, 
This is the equivalent of high school fantasy. And if people want to buy into that, they're more than welcome to. They don't have to come to the Archaics channel. They don't have to listen to Soul Luckman. They can, they can live their life and do what they want to do. But if they're going to come into my informed field and they're going to put themselves in the position of listening to my voice, then they're going to hear from me that the Galactic Federation is absolute fantasy. And it's a, it's a scam. And they're going to hear that tarot is all about the individual and that the individual has great capacity to use any system that, that they want to to provide value to others. I believe that. Do I believe all the tarot card readers do that? No, I believe some of them are scam artists. They're, they're snake oil salesmen. Do I believe some of them are, are legit? Absolutely, I believe some of them are legit. Some of the dowsers are legit. Some of the psychics, many of the psychics are legit. Yeah, the psychics, these these, these most of them females, they, they, they are tapped. They are hard, for some reason, female minds, they are hardwired more into the field than males are. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know how deep you want to go into this topic, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's I, ha I have started a shit storm with that, too. And it makes those people uh, uncomfortable to hear that. And they don't want to approach me. They don't want to do shows with me. And I get that. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. But it's many of those people, too, as well, that have jumped on my old criminal history bandwagon, not defending their position from the trade that they uh, that they ply, but just jumping on the bandwagon of hating Jason. So I'm cool with that, too. So it's just um, you're asking me for my opinion. So I'm giving it to you absolutely straight. Yeah, I, I wanted that. You know, I wanted to uh, substantiate uh one of your points having to do with the Galactic Federation and channeling of extraterrestrials <clears throat> and that kind of thing. You've got this very revered book, a series of books called The Law of One. It's a series of channelings from the early 80s. And I'm, I have written about it. I'm the first to admit it's got some fascinating data in it. But in that book, you've got this voice basically talking about the, uh, the ancient history of the tarot going back to ancient Egypt and all of this kind of stuff, especially in the, ma the major arcana. And, uh, you know, it's just not true, apparently, historically. So that, to me, is uh, a real strike against the the uh, believability and integrity of that series of texts, the, the Law of One. You've also... Law of One. Yeah, the Law of One is total artificiality. Yes. What they did is they mixed a lot of really good, verifiable, hermetic philosophy as above so below all yes. that type of stuff just just like the the uh tablet of hermes tablet of thoth copies this same old hermetic principle but but this is this is imaginary material i mean i i have a list so and, and you're you're more than welcome you know contact me and i will i'll even make copies for you if you want it i have an actual list published in 1877 that list is every Every text that still survived in the known world from around the world, who wrote it, where it came from, what hands it passed through. It is a full itinerary in 1877 of all the known literature of the world. Amazing. All we have to do is compare what was existing before 1877 in all the books and literature of the world. Well, basically the Western world, because the Chinese books aren't mentioned in there. But uh, it's uh, what, what books were um, listed before 1877, and we can verify with what suddenly appeared with the Golden Dawn Society after 1877, when all this Thoth, Enoch, uh, channeling, uh, all this uh, uh, 
all this all this new new stuff appeared with the Golden Dawn Society and it took off with Ace to Aleister Crowley and all his splinter groups and HP Lovecraft and his splinter groups. The yeah, man. Blavatsky and uh, Alice Bates yes, and all that. Absolutely, stuff. absolutely, absolutely, man. It's Madame Blavatsky has some very compelling, very interesting things. But when it comes to the chronology, it comes to the to the numbers and the great ages with all those zeros added to it of all those old Vedic ages and all that. I have already broke that broke that down in many many presentations, showing that that the ancient calendrical systems were all day count systems, and that's why so many of these great long numbers in the historical texts were not years. There humans were not recording events in the hundreds of thousands of years they were recording them in the hundreds of thousands of days which is then centuries it's just an abbreviated uh yeah, method yeah. of counting you so did that there are many i love yeah, there are many many examples man you know i was oh. i was going to just substantiate what you were saying from my perspective that that one video that you recently did and i, I hate, hate to even mention his name because i'm going to set you off but on graham hancock and mm. uh <laughs> it's it's funny in some ways, but no, anyway, okay, so okay, like, sorry, sorry. Going history, history going back twelve thousand years, and you've got like known history, and then nothing. Yeah, yeah. listen, when it okay, I've got a lot on my channel about Graham Hancock, all right, and most people focus on the negative because that's my fault. I get emotional. I get. I, I go in there and talking about this stuff, and I get it. And sometimes I should restrain myself. But I need. I need to clarify something. I. I do agree with Graham Hancock on several things, and and I'm. I've even mentioned that on my channel. One of them is that he has a theory that the the dimensions of the Great Pyramid preserve a holographic template of our reality. Yes. It's almost as if Graham Hancock wants to say that we live in a construct, but he's not doing it. All or right. So <laughs> I, yes, I read his material where he said that, and I was impressed. I'm also impressed that he is open to the idea of technologically advanced civilizations in ancient times. I'm also impressed that he doesn't make the leap Zechariah Sitchin did and Eric Von Daniken did. He doesn't necessarily imply that technologically advanced means extraterrestrial civilizations here, ancient aliens. So there are things about Graham Hancock that do impress me i like them but i am guilty of being overly emotional when discussing graham hancock because i am a chronologist and i do hold myself up as probably the best one in the world so i do get offended when i see anachronisms in graham hancock's research so i just wanted to clarify that yeah thank you for doing that um you know, I, I actually want to get into some numbers and some chronology here in a minute. I, I, I uh, really structured some questions around around this subject matter, and I think people will find it very, very interesting. But before we leave the subject that we've been on, the other issue, uh, the other group of people who have come out swinging, in addition to the tarot readers and 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 the like, are the astrologers, right? Who <laughs> uh, you also did a video on, uh, sort of, I don't know, uh, de debunking the uh, idea that the um, that the uh, the zodiac is is a very old phenomenon, and this was very troubling to to a number of people. I I saw this getting kind of. Uh, you know, bandied about, talked about, uh, people were trying to debunk it and all that kind of thing. So um, I just wanted to point that out as well. I'm sure you've had a great deal of feedback on this subject also. 
actually no i'm i'm I'm. this is the first time hearing that there's that there i don't listen listen so i get a lot of emails from people trying to give me a heads up about certain people hating on me and all that i ignore those emails i've even encouraged people on my channel to stop sending me them i don't need that energy sent my way i don't care i don't care but this is the first time i've even heard about the people in the astrologer community but you know what that video was very different than the tarot because astrology is ancient. There is a lot of evidence of astrology going back 4,000 years, uh, all the way to the to the air area of the collapse of the vapor canopy. But uh, yeah, the astrology, the oldest astrology in that video, as I, as I was showing, and all the historical records, the traditions, everything, the monuments, they all line up. Astrology is ancient. It might be seven, eight, nine, ten thousand years old. We know humans have been here a long time. Archaics only focuses on fifty-two thirty-nine BC as a starting reference point because that's as far as I can go in any, any ancient calendar systems. I'm not concerned with anything that happened before then. It's always within the construct fifty-two thirty-nine BC and after. It, all that I can show. So uh, my video didn't condemn astrology at all. It condemned the inclusion of the zodiac. There's a big difference. Right. Astrology's been around forever, but a belief in the circle of animals only came after a cataclysm because astrology before that was matriarchal based. It was lunar based, lunar reckoning, and it involved a totally different set of star patterns. None of the animals in the zodiac today go back beyond that cataclysm. On the other side of that catastrophe, 2239 BC, everything was matriarchal and lunar. Totally the Pleiades, the Pleiades and Orion and Ophiuchus and yeah, the lunar zodiac, the 13 house zodiac. That's what was recognized then. But it wasn't the 12 solar signs that the patriarchy introduced. The old matriarchal signs, 12, that, that the 13th being Ophiuchus or Ophiuchus, the uh, serpent, whatever, whatever, however you pronounce it, those were those were forgotten through history because, I, and I showed many presentations of where the goddess was almost erased from history after the patriarchal takeovers. And I don't know why these people are, are angry at me for, uh, because I mean, on my chart, this is what I show. This is from the historical record. I mean, if I'm, if I have any details wrong, feel free to correct me but if you're going to talk about the historical record we don't have a zodiac in egypt all 26 dynasties of egypt all the coffin text all the all the pyramid text all the ossuaries all the monuments karnak waset thebes heliopolis anu nothing no no hint of a zodiac anywhere in egypt until the greeks rebuilt dendera and when they did they put a zodiac on the ceiling and they did it just the same way the French were copying Egyptian motifs. When the French designed the original uh, uh, artwork for different tarot cards and, and mystical stuff, they were fascinated with the Egyptians. So it's the same thing with Dendera. The Ptolemies, who were Egyptian Greeks, they, they had this uh, zodiac done. But that doesn't mean the zodiac was Egyptian just because it's using Egyptian artwork. It was done by Greeks, just like New Yorkers who are building a monument of New York, but they want it to look like an Armenian monument. We'll, we'll, we'll use the, the Armenian language. They will use artwork that is mimicking Armenian dress. 
This is the problem we have with a lot of belief systems. People don't realize that Westerners come in and they and they really do like to build their infrastructure builders. The Amuru were uh, Caucasians, always as invaders in history, bring their ideas of artwork with them, but they use the local materials and the local beliefs to do that artwork. And we see the evidence of this everywhere today. So I don't know why they're mad at me. Astrology is very ancient, but the use of the 12 house Zodiac known today was a patriarchal redaction of an older lunar goddess Zodiac that was specifically scrubbed from the histories. We know the Zodiac of today is patriarchal because the hero is a solar hero who does labors and conquers and does all kinds of things through each constellation. He's a male hero, but that's not what it originally was. That's what it became after the takeover. So before these people get mad at me, they need to do their own homework. And, and I don't, I just, there's no other way for me to say it. Uh, the whole world can be back. The whole entire world can be angry with Jason Brashears. But it's never going to stop me from saying the things that I have found. It's just not. Well, you've inspired so many people. So we're really talking about a, just another group here who may end up being inspired by you before all is said and done. And I believe a lot of them will. I, I believe people will come around. I, I just wanted to say I think it's very important for people to understand this move from 13 to 12. Because we're talking about how we've changed the division of time. You know, I wrote about Ophiuchus, the serpent bearer, in my first book, Conscious Healing. You know, I was very aware of this. It was I realized that 12 was this kind of overlaid, uh, deeply paternal, patriarchal construct onto an old lunar system. And they, they had to get rid of one of the signs to make that work. It's interesting that it was the serpent bearer, the snake the snake person, right, uh, who, you know, the, the snake being very connected to the goddess in the ancient world. So that was a that was not a mistake. Probably they they left that out. So that was quite interesting. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to what I was calling this video, which is exploring the astonishing mathematics and calendrics, both with X's on the end of archaics. So here we go. This uh, exercise is not about gematria or decoding, uh, but it is about numbers, namely dates and numbers um, that are important in the archaics research. So I'm not going to necessarily present these in any kind of order. I'm going to follow my, my intuition. I've made notes. And what I would like to do is provide you with a number. And it could be, you might, I, I'm, I'm not going to give them as negative numbers, but they may actually be negative if you look at uh, AD versus BC or whatever. But, and I would mm -hmm. love for you to share what is most meaningful to you relative to your research about that number? Sure. All right. So I'm, I'm going to just start out at the bottom here. 1.618. <clears throat> well, it's not, it's not a, a made up number. It's probably the most widely known uh, number two physicist. 1.618 is the golden mean it is phi phi it is the golden proportion it is the ratio of a curve that is found everywhere in nature as in cyclones it is found in the distribution of petals on flowers uh, it, it is even found on it is even found when projectiles are thrown naturally in the air 
when first it's all inertia and inertia gives way to entropy and entro- entropy. Now, now other forces begin to bring it to the ground. The curve that it actually uh, goes into is 1.618. 1.618 is the golden mean. If you had it is, hair, it, is a, it would be, it would also be, it would inform the, uh, the patterning of your hair. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, well, uh, there are, I'm pretty sure there's YouTube channels that give you hundreds of examples of phi 1.618 represented everywhere. Now, as a mathematical expression, it's the Fibonacci series. and But it's the Fibonacci series merely explains math, uh, in arithmetic what phi is in geometry. That's all it is. They're, they're, they're the exact same thing. So it's all, uh, I have found it of great utility in my predictions and in being able to date things accurately historically by 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 basically reverse engineering different you know chronicles if i find four or five different dates for the same event and all of them are dated within a decade and it's historians that are centuries apart and they wrote these their books in different languages as a chronologist i would look at all i would look at all all four dates and i'm going to i'm going to go with the person who is geographically closer and uh, closer in time, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in mind that they're probably more accurate, but I'm not gonna dismiss the others who also wrote about the same event. And oftentimes, when I'm indecisive, I have to find the other events in history that are very very similar, and I'll just start measuring them all in purport the distance between the similar events. I'll start measuring them in 1.618, and sometimes I hit gold. And when I do, I know I found the exact year that a certain event occurred. Awesome, awesome. Now you've obviously done a lot of um of uh of uh, predictions and we're talking about date sequence analysis here or uh, predictive yes. analytics that sort of thing you've made a, a number of predictions some of which many of which have actually uh, come to pass so far what do you think of the um of this ramping up that we're seeing with the fear mongering around the glo- coming global depression climate lockdowns uh, all you know uh, climate passports, uh, travel restrictions, that kind of thing. What, what would you say about all that mess? Oh, uh, one, I, I'm, I'm not buying into it. Uh, just with like, just like the, the, the narrative. I mean, you already know why the whole world was saying this is the new normal. The whole world was to doom saying, talking about we're all going to be taking this and, and, uh, they're going to force it on everybody. And I was saying just the opposite. Two years ago, I was releasing videos saying, all oh, this is going to pass. It's going to blow over. Uh, you're not going to be forced to take it. Uh, this is all going to get exposed. People will get in trouble for, for doing this. And we're already seeing, we're already seeing the, the media already entertaining the whole amnesty and forgiveness narrative now. Oh, we didn't know. We thought, we thought the science was right. You understand? They're already setting it up for, for, uh, for that. But no, I'm not buying into all that, man, because I know how the media works. I know who the media works for. And what they need is a population of participants. But if a population refuses to participate, those things don't come to pass. But when a population does participate in that negativity and it, it reinforces those those ideas that are projected through the media outlets and the population responds with with the same vibration fear then that's taken as a reality by the neutral field of the simulacrum and the media therefore creates the very things that were first fiction put out as fears now the population has has responded they have they have channeled that energy right back into reality 
with that fear and the simulacrum complies because it's never going to allow us to be a liar, especially in the collective. Remember, where two or three are gathered in his name, that goes both ways, brother. When when a when a group of people fear, they create they create a reality. When a group when a group of when a group of people don't fear, they insulate their reality from those from those who have created a fear-based situation. This is why I'm always telling people we live in two different realities. You need to figure out where you are and who you are because you don't have to fear all this crap that's going on in the world. You don't. And the simulacrum will respond in kind. It will make you immune from everything happening around you. It's uh, This is one of my principal teachings, and I think it's the one that's most ignored. I, I, just, I just don't think people get it. They like hearing it. They like hearing it and, they, and it makes them feel good until they listen to the next video. But I don't believe that a lot of people have actually absorbed that knowledge and truly understand what I'm conveying. That we are, we are absolutely independent of the construct. Independent of it. We're 100% isolated in a bubble of neutrality unless you buy into it. Whatever you buy into, you share that energy, and it's reflected back into your personal life as circumstance. So, so yeah, that's that's my take on that. So, I couldn't agree more. In fact, that's a major subject in this recent article I wrote on the scientific method. So, and people should check that out because I go into this in some detail. So, next number, Jason, three point one four one. Okay, that's uh, that's the perimeter of a circle. That's pi. 3.14. Now, here's where things get interesting. As far as I know, as far as I know, I'm not, I'm not claiming this. As far as I know, Archaics is the first one to use pi and phi and use those in predictive analytics, showing that the individual days between two similar events, using pi and phi together in tandem, can show you can show you actual future dates exactly when another event will occur which is a total merging of the two events that were used as controls x1 and x2 x1 and x2 are two events in history that are very very similar and then using pi and phi we can we can determine which dates in the future a similar event will will, will occur, which is a merging of the holography of the first two events. I, I don't know if other people have ever come across this model or not, but this is this is how I've done all my predictions videos. Oh, it's just fascinating. Is that also what is behind the office pro office office uh, program that you were working on? It's two of the fourteen protocols. Yes, it, yeah, that's a four. That's a fourteen protocol uh, construct. Yes, isometric projections. I know you're familiar with those. I've beaten people up with those. The uh, <laughs> the isometric analysis. That yeah, that's 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 the number one. So that you know, pi phi. Uh, the isometric analysis. That's three of the fourteen protocols right there. Yeah. Are you going to be releasing that at some point or uh, putting that out into the, the public? I have become so overwhelmed and so busy that uh, I'm going to be honest with you. There's already talk. Uh, I'm entertaining right now. Um, I require a manager. If I'm going to be free to continue content creation, I'm, I'm, I can't deal with all this administrative stuff and all that because i would like to continue the office project we had great success with the nfl uh i i really want to do that 
but I, but archaics is my brainchild. That's what I want to focus on the most. If I have time, I'll, I'll do office as well. But right now having to do all the admin stuff and, and train somebody how to process orders and, and, and he's taking care of all the tech stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm, there's talk now I'm talking with people right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a very trusting individual. So I, I have to vet people and, uh, which is really ironic because I'm the ex con here. Right. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, we're dealing with, we're dealing with, I mean, archaics is growing and with that growth it has come much better finances. Yeah. I'm not going to hide that from anybody, but then again, uh, I, I'm not some, some broke guy trying to make money on a YouTube channel either. I came into this with an, with other income streams from publishing and other income streams from paradise rock gardens. So well, it's come to the point where I probably need a manager. If I'm going to move forward and grow and be able to produce better videos with, cause I got, I got so many videos. I told you, I got, I got at least 500 videos left in me. It's that number's never going to go down a year from now. I will still be able to say, I got another 500 videos in me. I just, I have a Chronicon team and they will tell you, I could probably do, I could probably do 900 videos just out of that project. It's taken them a long time, but they have gone through Chronicon and, uh, digitized it uh they're, they're they're doing editing and fact checking and they're checking all my numbers with a calculator because it it chronicon shows you what year it was on up to something like 40 to 41 different calendrical systems all around the world they're being using and shows you all these beautiful mathematical patterns that that connect all these historical events together it's beautiful but I've never really done anything with Chronicon in the past 15 years since I since I finished it. I've been so busy doing other things. But this team here is an international team. They put themselves together, Soul. I didn't have anything to do with this. I they, love they ordered my they ordered my super pack, and there's like five or six of them involved. And they ordered my super pack and it started taking all my data in my super pack and just putting it all together into this beautiful, beautiful project. So uh I've been yeah, listening it's to a, reading of Chronicon. Uh, you know, I'm 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 deep in that. It's fantastic. I can't wait to see what this team comes up with. Are they going to put it out as a PDF? Are you going to publish it as a paperback? What what's the uh, trajectory here? Well, I I don't know yet because uh, I literally have. I'm probably going to double it in size with all the new research that I've come up in in organized and typed up in the last 15 years since I finished Chronicon. So remember, so 2003, 2004, and 2005 is when I actually stepped into the publishing scene with articles in Paranoia Magazine about the Phoenix phenomenon. I have never changed those dates. It's always been 2040. Long before 2012, I was telling the whole world that that's bullshit. Nothing's going to happen in 2012. The arithmetic is absolutely wrong. Nobody knew me back then. I was too, I was small time. So, but I was still releasing books. I still had several books published. So uh, it's only in the last three years that people started started learning about my, my material, but, but my material is not new. All this research I'm still releasing on YouTube, most of this stuff was done years ago. I just pull out more notes, and when I see them, oh, here's what, here's what we can do now. And this is why Archaic's material is so novel. It's I, I keep coming up with subjects that other people have never heard of, and it's because I you can never claim that I spent years watching other YouTube videos or going through Facebook groups or taking my data from other platforms and then putting my spin on it and releasing it as an original video. You will never be able to claim I did that. 
There's no evidence of that on my channel anywhere because everything is so the, the perspectives are so different. The sources I cite are so are are so unknown to people. But uh, I don't know. I just entertained a tangent, didn't I? I just went to talking about something we weren't even talking about, didn't I? Well, it was related. Uh, you know, I, I always learn learn things from your tangents and your rants. You know, that's good stuff. So, Nick, you ready for another number? Oh, the numbers. That's what we're discussing, the numbers, yes. 45. Sure. 45. And I'm not talking about Trump. I, I'm not... Uh, so 45, 40, 40, the, the, the number, well, the number 45 in itself being divisible by nine is probably the only value I see in that number. I don't really know anything. I, I don't, that number's not important. Parallel. Well, yeah, I mean, part of New York state runs through that parallel, right? Right. Well, yeah. I do know this, the video. Phoenix, well, I know that, uh, astronomer Hoffman in 1764 in the month of May saw the Phoenix and so did a bunch of Europeans. Uh, the Phoenix descended straight out of the north, which is exactly what we find in ancient texts, that this dark, vast object blots out the sun and it travels from the north and then moves and disappears in the south. No other object in history has that move, movement, movement. Everything else is on the ecliptic. Whatever this is. It's at a 45 degree angle coming down over the ecliptic going over. And it's it's normally seen around 45 degrees. Oh, uh, matter of fact, Nostradamus mentions a great fire descending from the sky at 45 degrees. Well, if it's descending from the sky at 45 degrees, it's probably going to obliterate everything in that area from 45 degrees, 44, 43, 42, 41. And I'm pretty sure New York and New York City is right there in that area. And that's what Nostradamus says. He does say the new city in the, and, uh, in the new empire. And this would have been the United States in Nostradamus's day. And the Empire State Building and all of that. And so you got Phoenix 2040. New York is really on the front lines for, for that, uh, that encounter. But New, York, but New York does have a history that's intertwined with the Phoenix timeline. Because it was in 1626, which is 138 years before 1764. It's on the Phoenix timeline. In 1626, the Dutch purchased Manhattan Island from the local Indians in that year. So it's fitting that that uh, uh, 414 years later, a cursed Earth period, which is 138 times 3, it's fitting that New York City would be destroyed in 2040. Because that's what it is. 414 years after 1626, when New York was founded uh, by the Dutch, New York is destroyed in 2040, and Nostradamus's prophecies are fulfilled. Brilliant. Okay, next number, 108. 108 is very, it's a very ancient, anciently mystic, important religious number in the East. It never had any value in the West. This is in the East, just like the, the 108 uh, beads on a Buddhist rosary. But uh, yeah, 108, 108 is the amount of degrees, the angle of degrees in like the pentagram. But the pentagram is the ancient Arab symbol in Sumer. And a five-pointed star, you know, in modern times, it's become a, a symbol of evil. But in ancient times, it was the Arab. It was the symbol in Sumer of something falling from the sky to break up the ground. It was called the plow sign. Mm. And that indicates that God was considered the harvester. 
And it was time to do something to break up the ground and, and harvest whatever he was trying to harvest. This is the plow sign. Incidentally, that five-pointed star, if you were to render the two-dimensional geometry of a pentagram into a three-dimensional form, the only form you can create is a pyramid. There are four at the bases and one at the apex. You have a pyramid formed out of a pentagram when you render it into three, 3D from a 2D form. So... When you, when you look back at a pentagram in a 2D form, which is flat on a piece of paper, and it's got five points, those five points perfectly make up 10 108-degree angles, which, which identifies the number 1080. Now, in my Chronicon, you will find that the Great Pyramid was finished in the year 1080 Annus Mundi. So the geometry of the Great Pyramid's dimensions actually identifies in an old world calendar the year of its construction. Oh, man, that's just too brilliant. Next number, 137. Oh, 137. Oh, before, before we, we continue with 137, on the 1080 deal, I do have a video about that. Because it's a lot more than what I just said. What I just said was a very abbreviated version. I mean, we have coffin text 1080 also has a clue about the Great Pyramid. It says his great temple descended from the was brought down from the heavens and put in the desert. Oh, uh, that's coffin text 1080. And 1080 is found in the writings of Hipparchus, uh, the altar of Agni, uh, traditions of ancient Vedic traditions has the number 1080 in it. Uh, Arab traditions have the number of 1080. Uh, 1080 is found everywhere in reference to altars and, and constructions made of giant blocks. But yeah, I got, a lot, I got a lot about that in that video. But concerning 137, yeah, 137, it, it's actually 1 in 137, which is a mathematical expression, meaning it's 137 point something something that makes up the fine structure constant. And physicists know that this is like the pulse of the frequency that we call reality. So, yeah, people think simulation theory is is uh, some non-demonstrable, you know, abstract. But almost everything physicists believe can only fit within the confines of a simulated construct. Can I just back like you quantum physics. Jason, let me back you up on that. This is uh, Amal Push, an affiliate physicist at the Resonance Science Foundation. This is what he has to say about this. It's very fascinating to me. The fine structure constant, also called the Sommerfeld constant or electromagnetic coupling constant, is one of the fundamental physical constants that characterizes the strength of the electromagnetic interaction between charged atomic particles. The name of this constant was coined by physicist Arnold Sommerfeld, who extended Bohr's atomic model with the motivation of explaining the fine structure lines observed in the hydrogen spectra, which the previous models had failed to explain satisfactorily. Physical constants are generally of two types, one, of, one which has a proper unit associated with them and others that are dimensionless. The fine structure constant is of the latter type, so dimensionless, that's very interesting. It is dimensionless and is represented by a number. Various probes have determined this number to be close to around 137, 1, 1 137. Physicists have estimated that the values of fundamental constants are fine-tuned. In this regard, the fine structure constant is no different. Any minor deviation in its numerical value would have resulted in a universe way different than it currently is. To be explicit about the consequences it could have posed, Atomic size would have been altered, stellar systems and their processes would have worked quite differently than they do, and possibly there would be no intelligent life 
present. Wow. Well, the fine structure constant is only a recent addition to my research, and I don't really go into it, but it does make sense of everything I found about the Phoenix phenomenon and the Phoenix phenomenon's relationship to the dimensions of the Great Pyramid. So, yeah, I'm on board with that. But the, but, but the whole idea of this construct being an electromagnetic structure is simulation. It's a simulation. The more we listen to physicists, the more we have to entertain a reality in the abstract. Because nothing physicists say makes sense to us if we're, if we're steady listening to what they're telling us, how the, this construct works, and yet all we're envisioning are physical trees, mountains, rocks, grass, water. No, these are just expressions of the energy that is, you know, energy takes on different forms, and we receive that as phenomena through sense perceptions, sight, hearing, you know, I already told you about that, the uh, central nervous system allows us to filter all this phenomena into facts, that's what it does for us in a linear progression. But I believe I believe in physics. I really do. I believe I believe the physicists are absolutely correct in many of the things they say. But there's a there's a there's this I don't know. It's a disjunction between knowing what reality is constructed of and the operations behind the scenes and actually applications. This is where things go weird. Physicists really can't demonstrate the applications in our, in our everyday life because they're here with us. So they're inside the construct with us. The very fact that they've been able to come up with all these mathematical models that demonstrate why things do what they do is amazing that they've been able to do that. Like even, like even identify something as tenuous as the fine structure constant. That's it. That's amazing because um, you know, when a man stands inside of a bubble, he thinks his vision is clear, and, and but he's looking at the world through a thin film, and it's going to distort phenomena on the other side of that film. So the fact that physicists can do that, I have a lot of respect for a lot of physicists. I don't have respect for the physicists that borrow into the uniformitarian model, but I do for the free thinkers, the, the mathematicians that come up with all this, because it's not easy trying to reconcile your observations about the nature of reality and then trying to convey why people still feel a physical reality. That's not an easy task to do when you're living subjectively to it. I want to uh, uh, let people know there are a couple of great articles by physicist Richard Allen Miller that I've republished on my Substack. Uh, one is called A Holographic Concept of Reality, and the other one is called Embryonic Hologra Holography. And these articles, in essence, break down how this works electromagnetically. And yes, it's holographic. Yes, it's totally simulation-based. It's all there. And this research goes back to the early 70s. So these guys are out there doing these amazing things years and years and years ago before it even got trendy. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know why people are on my butt about simulation theory when, when from the beginning, all I wanted to do from my very first videos was was tell people, say, listen, I'm not going to come to you. Uh, I'm not going to try and convince you of simulation theory through all these modern scientific methods. Now, all I'm going to do is present the historical facts. And if you think that it could, these things could have actually happened this way, more power to you. But to me, 
it's because it's all a construct. It was simulated. And that's what my whole channel has been about, showing simulation theory from a totally different perspective than science does. I wanted to use chronology and history, showing that it's all programming. But hey, that reminds me, do you, did you ever read Paula Violet's book, Subquantum Kinetics? I've read parts of it. My God, that book is deep. It's hard to get through that book, isn't it? Yeah, and he wrote the, the other one about the super wave, which is very, very intense. Yeah, I, I haven't read that one, but I, I, I did make it through subquantum kinetics, and I even wrote, I have notes on it. Uh, I put, you know what, in my file uh, for Library Chaos is where I put my notes on Paula Violet's subquantum kinetics, because I put those two together. I wanted to compare notes between a physicist and between a, theoret a theoretical, whatever, mathematician, but... uh. Yeah, it's deep. Subquantum kinetics was deep. That was I read that back during my quantum physics phase. I read that book before I even I, I ever thought that I would entertain simulation theory, because uh, even when I read Mikhail Kiku or whatever his name is, mm -hmm. uh, even when I even when I read his book, I didn't I wasn't I wasn't on board with simulation theory. It's a yeah, it's a and simulation theory seems to trigger the Christian right dude, really really bad, and I I really feel for that because. I am reading comments on other channels and on my channel, and it it shows me that Christians coming to my channel are bringing this baggage into the Archaics family, that there's an assumption for some reason that if the world is truly a simulated construct, then there is no free will, which means I have no spirit, which means I'm damned. I don't know where they got that idea from. I have no to idea. Me it's, to me, it is spiritually liberating. To me, knowing that I live in two different realities and I can choose which one, I can be me as an immortal and be immune to everything around me. I Man, I can draw more from myself than I contain. Yeah, these are spiritual liberating to me. I don't have to be a member of the construct. I can totally ignore the negativity around me and not participate in it and be and basically be a... a a uh, uh, an island of peace and an island of tranquility and an island of uh, of just being me and I don't have to worry about the outside world. But these Christians come into my comment section and they're they're toxic, man. Some of them are just toxic, vilify me or or come in there with this baggage about uh, simulation theory can't be true. Jesus said this, Jesus said that. Oh, uh, you you need to you need to uh, repent and all. It's like, man, where why did this concept? Why does this concept automatically make people assume that, that if they accept it as true, then they're damned? That is some very powerful religious programming. Yeah, I've also seen uh, people from a kind of uh, from more holistic medical backgrounds have a kind of knee-jerk response to simulation theory. You know, they're so invested in the body and physicality and all of that that um, yeah. it just really rubs them the wrong way and they can't they can't see the liberating aspects of it. You know, I wanted to mention that, you know, with Peter Carroll's book, one of the things that I found really funny because I, I read it after you recommended it and it's this Libra Chaos book. And one of the funny things is, is that it's not a book about simulation theory. No, it's not. He, he's writing as if this world is real and he's describing it. What he's actually describing, I believe, is the world outside the simulation. Yeah, but he's. That's why I, I tell. That's why I tell people to read it. It's just fascinating because you can't because he really believes that that's how this world operates. But that what he's actually describing is what gives rise to the simulation. Listen, 
We live inside a construct, but the construct that we live in is the photo negative. It is the anti-arithmetic to a real place that we're not in right now. That's the beauty of it. That's why everything here is backwards. That's why all the greatest truths are conveyed in parable, in images, in metaphor, in similes, in riddles, and in fairy tales and folklore. All the greatest truths are given to us in the form of fiction. Everything, the greatest, most powerful things we could ever learn are fed to us as fictions. 100%. Everything here is backwards, man. Everything. You're talking like a That's novel why, now. Come again? Talking like a novelist now. You know, yeah, man, but that's you. what. But I mean, that's that's it's the truth. Though. I mean, look at Jesus. Greatest, the greatest teachings of Jesus are his parables, deep spiritual teachings. Every single parable was a fiction. All right, we can actually say each parable was a lie. A lie isn't malicious. He's using it as a teaching tool. The individual stories never happened. They're stories, but they have great value when you apply them to your individual experience, your life. These parables, like the prodigal son, the parable, parable of the of the light on the hill. Jesus went through all these parables, but parables aren't the truth. Parables are fictions. They're images of truth. And that's why I just find, I find it so interesting that the more we study the construct, we find that everything around us is just like Plato described it. We're the shadows on the cave wall convinced that everything else is shadow too. It's well, awesome. Truly stated. Awesome. Well and truly stated, Jason. So next number, you ready? Yeah. Okay. And of course, this is, I was, I'm just going to say that this is, this is the linchpin to your way of proving this, proving quote unquote, the simulation 138. Well, <clears throat> you already know that 138 is everywhere in the great pyramid. I know you've seen those videos. I know you studied those charts, looked yep. at them. Yep. 138's everywhere, but you also know 138 is the number of years between visitations of the Phoenix phenomenon. And uh, we have way too much evidence of, of the operation of that phenomenon. And not only the operation of a linear projection of 138, but you can take the Vedic calendar as well. And you can start with the Vedic calendar. I even have one video that demonstrates this. You can take the Vedic calendar and you will find that very significant events in world history were all in multiples of 138 from the start of the Vedic calendar. I thought that was really interesting because that's not on the Phoenix timeline, but it is a Phoenix, it is a Phoenix reckoning calendar. It just starts at a different time. So I've played with it, and I found 138 is the number separating many, many major events in world history. But as far as a single unbroken linear projection starting in the ancient past and going all the way to 2040, yes, the Phoenix phenomenon is every 138 years somewhere. And it's a number, 138, that was that's mentioned many times in different records and in different ways, such as the ancient Egyptians 
uh, referred to it not as 138 years. There's an actual Egyptian text that refers to a period involving a flooding that was that was at the end of a 1,656 month period. But that's not mysterious. Remember, I have many videos showing the Egyptians did not recognize a solar year based off the, the Western version calendars. They counted moons. They counted months. This is why this is why Solon's Atlantis could have never been when Graham Hancock says it was, because there was no Greece to it that they could have been in a war with at that time anyway. Egypt was not around at that time. But when you use the factoring system known by the Egyptians, the lunar count, then we, we understand Atlantis was during the Sea People's Confederation invasions of the Mediterranean. And yes, archaeologists do confirm that Greece, Mycenae, uh, and Egypt were all at war with a foreign power. Every bit of it was perfectly, it perfectly fits the historical record and is backed up by history, archaeology, ancient texts, all kinds of situational deals when we use the proper calendar. And it was 138 years. This is what the Egyptians understood. They counted it in moons. So, and I, I've demonstrated many incidences of the 138 year period known in antiquity in different ways. So speaking of... Uh of uh, 138, you've also made uh, some comments relating 137 to 138 and this idea of a pattern break. Could you speak to that? Because that's a very fascinating concept. Well, if the Phoenix phenomenon is truly a phenomenon, and I believe it is, because we have to backtrack a little bit, <clears throat> my paradigm had me producing information that comported with it. Meaning, I was a Christian, and I believed that we lived on a rock 93 million miles away from a sun that six months from now would be 186.5 million miles from where it was six months previously, which I know doesn't, isn't true anymore because I know we can't even demonstrate the parallax. We can't show that we've moved at all, and, and science has done a great deal of covering this up. But it wasn't covered up in the 1890s and early early 20th century when it was scientists that were talking about this lack of parallax. So uh, it's a phenomenon. We're not moving. And since we're not moving, that changes my whole perspective of what's happening. It doesn't change the chronology. It doesn't change the fact that in 4309 BC, Phoenix appeared and destroyed a civilization and did it again in the Great Reset of Genesis in 3895. Again, in 2653, again, the Great Flood collapsed in the vapor canopy the day the, stop, the sky fell in 2239 BC, which was the year 1656. Anas Mundi mentioned in Genesis, the year 1656 of Noah's Flood. It doesn't change any of this historicity, the Ogygian deluge and the creation of the Anno Domini calendar were under today when the Catholic Church hid the 552-year uh, Phoenix cycle of the old world. Listen, it doesn't change any of that. So if it can't change the historical facts, then that means we're not dealing with an intruder planet because I don't believe in that anymore. We're dealing with a phenomenon that's in the sky. It's hidden. It's never gone anywhere. It's there. It just only manifests every 138 years. Enter the new discovery of the, in the past century, of the fine structure constant. 
If we live in a construct and in linear, in, a, in, in the programming, every 138 years, the Phoenix phenomenon expends a tremendous amount of energy. Sometimes it's focused over a small locale. Sometimes it's focused on a continent. Sometimes it's focused on a hemisphere. And three or four times in history, it's been focused on the entire world. Whatever the situation is, every 138 years, it's expending a tremendous amount of energy. So... If that's the case, and it's recorded in the dimensions of the Great Pyramid, and if we take all the traditions and discoveries of the Great Pyramid, we find a holographic construct of all the physics constants in our world can be found in the dimensions of the Great Pyramid. They're there for a reason. Pi, phi, curvature equations, entropy, obliquity, it's all in there in those measurements with 138. So taking all this into consideration, now I have to apply what physicists found, if we're living in a construct and all this is demonstrable, and yet the construct has a pulse, it's like a heartbeat. If it has this heartbeat and this pulse, and they measure it at 1137, which is 137 point something, 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 if they do that, and and I have to, I have to, I have to now associate that to the Phoenix phenomenon. I can't keep those independent of each other. They're too, it's too close. Meaning. If you take the if you take 138 blocks, we're call them years. If you take 138 blocks and you put them on a line, it's 138 blocks. But if I take another 138 identical blocks and I put them on the same line connected to each other, I can't say that's 138 plus 138 blocks. There's no distinction. Distinction. It's 276 blocks now. But that's not how it's designed. There must be a very small incremental period of time when there's a disjunction between the two 138 block block segments. That's the fine structure constant. That's the little space between that now turns hundreds and thousands of blocks into segments of 138. This is the heartbeat of the construct. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Hey, Jason, do you ever worry about like getting Mandela affected yourself when you wake up one of these days and you and you realize that, you know, reading back through your work and stuff that you've all this time you've been promoting a 139 year Phoenix cycle? Uh, no, that's, that'd be make an interesting movie, but no. I can't, so, but uh, so, I can't, I don't know. It's keeping the archons in check, right? You've got this one, something yes. about this timekeeping device. Yep. Keep them from totally obliterating our ability to tell where we are in time in the, in the playing out of the simulation. Is that right. accurate? Well, listen, listen, I hope one of your next questions about the number 2178, because it ties in with this right here. All right. Can I address that real quick? Yeah, let's skip the 2178. That's 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 one of my most important numbers here. Well, it well, it has everything to do with what we're talking about right now. Okay? Imagine my surprise when when uh James Norton and I, we said I come up with an idea. I said, "Hey man, check this out. Is there any way that he he's a computer. You know, he's real good with computers." I said, "Hey, is there any way that I want to do an experiment? I have an idea, but I think that we live in an anti-arithmetic, and I think it's demonstrable. I think we can show it. I believe that that uh, I want to do an exercise. I want to take every number. I think uh, the original was one through 50,000, but the output in paper was so much, I think we cut it off. You can easily do it with one through 10,000. 
And still, the paperwork is phenomenal, how much it puts out. So this is what we did. We took all these numbers, and all, all we did was very simple exercise. Take any number and subtract it from its reflection. At face value, we're not introducing integers. We're not going to introduce an abstract because what we're not what we're doing this two dimensional arithmetic is actually representing three dimensional geometry, and we're not going to have a bunch of little negative signs all in all in this hollow field. We're going to have each plane is going to represent a number, and they mirror each other. So the idea was to keep it as simple as possible. We had no idea we were going to make this discovery. This discovery was not even on the table. We were looking for a method to see if there was any value to my idea and trying to bridge it with Elliott Wave Theory. So this is what we did. And, and in Elliott Wave Theory, we wanted to see if, if it was true. We could see that in the arithmetic, there's a breakdown showing that there might be an increase in frequency to a terminus. So this is what we did. Uh, very simple. He coded it in. It was super simple. All these numbers just subtracted from their holographic reflection. And then the output, the sum, would continue. Whatever that number is, it's going to be subtracted opposite, like it's looking at itself in a mirror, subtracted from its holographic uh, reflection. It was just a simple exercise, but what the output showed was nothing simple. What it showed was almost all, uh, the majority of these numbers. I've had a lot of people fact check this and go through it. So my descriptions of what's happening may not be on par, but the output is still the same. I mean, people there are there are greater minds than I are following in my in my footsteps, and that, that was the design from the beginning. But I'm calling them reflections right now. But they but they the reverse of a number. They're just subtracted from the reverse of the number. Almost instantly, we saw on the paperwork the numbers were collapsing to zero. Some of them, some of them went through a couple permutations. The higher the number, the more permutations. But there was a definite pattern, and then then it was obvious because the computer highlighted in yellow every number that did not collapse to zero, and in every instance, those numbers collapsed to a number twenty one seventy eight. This shocked us. It, we, it took us days to process. We we're just going through it with markers and looking at it. Like, Man, we don't understand this. Now, I'm not really a mathematician. I'm really, I'm not a scientist at all. But the experiment has value because an anomaly was detected in our arithmetic. It doesn't matter, soul, if somebody doesn't agree with how we did the exercise. The exercise, the exercise is very simple. It doesn't matter if you don't like like there are controls. All that matters is that these simple controls produced an anomaly that no one has been able to answer for. Why is there this loop? When you get to 2178, 8712 appears. That's the reverse. When you subtract 2178 from 8712, it produces another number. I believe it's 6523. When you subtract 32... 3256 from that number it returns to 2178. No other numbers did this. And every one of these permutation reflections are also multiples of 2178. What? <laughs> this is inexplicable. Why didn't any other numbers in existence do this? Why is it 2178? So that in itself was an independent video I did almost three, two and a half years ago. 
two years, 10 months ago, something like that. Never. I don't know why I didn't make the association back then, but I never went in my research beyond the year 2040. But 2178, this, this eternal loop, this reboot number, this window into another arithmetic that we can't pass through right now, because that's what it's showing. The exercise shows that the arithmetic that we live in has no substance. Most of it collapses to zero. What doesn't collapse to zero goes through a whole series of permutations to 2178, which is an immortal loop that never closes. It just spins, which tells me that's the portal to a real arithmetic that we're not participating in right now. That's my interpretation. That interpretation came over a year and a half before I released another video after I made the discovery that 2178 is 138 after 2040. That blew my mind. I couldn't believe I had missed this. But that tells me it identifies for me when the simulation reboots because this is a program. And I believe that all the souls that are going through the apocalypse and tribulation and all that stuff, which hasn't started yet, but those that go through it and are not participants in the Exodus event, which is what the Old Testament Exodus is nothing but a story. It's a prophetic archetype. It never happened. But the real Exodus is in the future of those who are ready to leave the construct, to receive a different avatar and move on in their spiritual journeys. Those who aren't ready, when, when it comes to the year 2178, system reboot. This whole similicum program, which I call the nemesis program, this is the nemesis uh, simulation right here. I have a video called the nemesis simulation. And in the nemesis simu simulation, humanity who is still stuck in the simulation, they reboot. They go right back to the beginning. They go right back to go. They do not collect $200. They start in the beginning. And yes, when they start, they might be a little befuddled. They might know something's not right, quite quite right at all. But in that start, it's, it's Adam and Eve all over again. And what do we have with the Adam and Eve story? We have a reset story. It's not a true creation. All the evidence of a reboot and reset is right there in Genesis chapter one. Go forth and replenish. And gap theory. Gap theory has a lot, a lot going for it. Yeah. So, so it's funny, you know, you know, we, we are actually working with imaginary numbers. We call them real numbers or, you know, integers or whatever, but they're, they're actually imaginary from this perspective. Another yeah. thing that's going on here clearly is a kind of palindromic structure of things that are, are mirror, are mirror images of each other. And so these numbers are clearly trying to reflect back out of the simulation into reality it's showing us something through that that veil whatever that is uh, that thin well the the invisible world so the invisible unseen world around us the reason we know that it is structured in mathematical palindromes is because it produces physical phenomena you can see the invisible operations of the construct by looking at the patterning of water. Water patterning is the perfect greatest example we will ever come up with of palindromes. When you look at concentric circles, rings of water going out from an epicentral point, that epicentral drop, that epicentral drop right there, that's the epicenter. That's a series of events that are the, the result of other of other palindromes, but in its own construct, 
It's, it's, it's looking at events forward and backward in time. That's why I provide so many examples in my predictions uh, videos of how these isometric deals work. Not all predictions come true. And you can never hold somebody, even Nostradamus used, used this method. He even said that his method of divining the future was counting the rings looking at a pool of water. He was giving us a clue. It's all palindromic in nature. And once you understand that, you do these events that we document now have predictive value once you understand the pattern. Yeah, and the patterns in us too, even that genetic structure is, it's just yeah. full of palindromes and weird sequences reading the same forward and backward. And it's, it's, it's as if we're just being imprinted, you know, we're, we're being programmed by this, the same thing that's programming our arithmetic or our negative arithmetic, however you want to look at that. So it's we're yeah. just part of, we're, we are in that sense part of the construct, and yet we're also separate from it as immortal spirits participating in in this journey. I wanted to uh, take this discussion into you know sort of the last half hour that we've got here, Jason, and look at what you've already touched on, which is kind of the end of the simulation or the end of this phase of the simulation before before the reboot. And I want to get back to our numbers. And, and we'll start with one that may help set the stage for um, an understanding of what is set to transpire over the next years. And that number is 1902. Okay. Well, you already know 1902 is on the Phoenix timeline. It's a Phoenix year. 1902 is a very anomalous year. There are people absolutely convinced, like Charles Fort said it was 1902, that other dark age. And Charles Fort set out about 30 years after that to show the world that looks really weird stuff happened in 1902. But he was laughed at by the scientific community, but he was using scientific reports and, and the reports of, of ship captains and media all over the world when he's putting stuff together. Now, what he didn't do was what I did. I carried the work further and showed that something very anomalous happened in 1902, such as 1902 happens to be the foundation date for thousands of very large stone buildings, courthouses, government buildings, 1902 all over North America. 1902 happens to be the beginning of many organizations, companies. And when you research those companies and, their, and the other companies that developed out of them in 03, 04, 05, 06, you will find out that most of today's Fortune 500 companies all stemmed their, their origin or the origin of their umbrella or, or, or founding company is 1902. So many anomalies from 1902. But in my, in my research on the Phoenix phenomenon, I have found that 1902 began technically the last days. It began the, I call it the Giza course calendar. 1902 began the individual years of the Great Pyramid leading up to the return of the chief cornerstone. All 203 levels of blocks on the Great Pyramid, 1902 is the foundation. 1903 is year one, then year two, year three, going all the way up 203 levels of blocks to a year that was isolated by Nostradamus, which is the year uh, 2105. That is the year in the Annus Mundi calendar of 5,999. There's a missing year, but we're to expect that missing year because 5,999 is one year short of 6,000. Mm. Does it mean the world is 6,000 years old? Hell no. 
It means that a certain calendar was started in ancient times from a massive reset. And that calendar 6,000th year is the year 2106, which is the 204th year since 1902, which fulfills the geometry of the Great Pyramid. It is the chief cornerstone number, the chief cornerstone, the stone the, the builders the rejected. The right? That's the, that it's the return of the cornerstone. Okay. Yes. And all four, all four sloping, the apple thumb for all four sloping sides of the Great Pyramid are at 51 degrees. 51 times four is 204. The geometry is satisfied. It's fulfilled. And this also fulfills the last day's prophecies of Second Esdras, where it says four divine angels appeared and gave unto mankind 204 books. You got to understand those levels of blocks, the levels of courses of blocks of the Great Pyramid are containers of knowledge. The Great Pyramid was once was once considered the largest book in the world. All four faces were covered with writings before the casing stones were removed. So it's a 1902 begins that timeline. I believe 1902 begins the begins the actual harvest, the soul harvest. We have images and prophecies of souls being quarantined in the, in the last days, and the, and they're asking God, "Hey, man, the time we know the time is short. When are you going to do this? When when are you going to make this happen?" But there's a definitive date in the future because he's coming. The idea is he comes to set the captives free. Okay, that indicates that there are prisoners you understand there's the language of a construct is everywhere through the bible everywhere it's gone through many many redactions it's gone through a lot of jewish filtering it's done all that but the core language of of souls being confined in a construct by a false god remember this world is a product of the god of this world not of the oversoul this is a prison, and the chief cornerstone, the stone the builders rejected, is the fulfillment of that prophecy of the one who comes to set the captives free. This is also why I don't believe in the soul trap phenomenon that a lot of people talk about. This, again, has pissed off a lot of people on YouTube because I'm not buying into their narrative. So they don't even contact me. They don't even want to talk to me, and that's fine. But I don't believe in the soul trap. I don't believe in you die and you see the white light. And as long as you, whatever, all that poltergeist stuff, that entered the, that entered the narrative with the movie poltergeist, this whole white light stuff. I'm not buying into it. It's a, you don't have, it's not, the oversoul is never going to create a situation where you've lived a totally good life all your life. And then all of a sudden, after you die, your eternal security or, or in your fate hinges on you making a decision uh it's it's crazy the whole concept is crazy to me no you're stuck here you're doing life sims you're doing life sims until until the construct collapses and you're free to move on yeah i, I just can't buy into the whole the whole if you go to the light you're trapped it's a trap you're getting cycled back in you're you become loose now an alien species is sucking out is sucking out your soul energy i'm not buying all that that's fear talking that's fear but talking. You might the oversoul would have never put us in that position. I couldn't agree more. You, you might be uh, uh, pleased to know that I did a little poll on my Substack on this subject back uh, in mid-November, mid, mid and it was on the reincarnation trap thing. And so the, the statement was, and you were to agree, disagree, or, be, or you were unsure, 
Reincarnation is apparently a real phenomenon, but there's no such thing as a reincarnation trap. You chose to be here, plain and simple, and you have work to do. Stop playing the victim and embrace your role as a conscious change agent within the simulation. <laughs> so so uh, 72% of my respondents of 109 votes agreed, and 7% disagreed, and 21% were unsure. So at least in this sampling. That's cool. That's I, cool. I'm glad people... I'm glad there's a majority there because it's just a, it's just more fear porn, except it's on a spiritual level now instead of a, a, a mainstream media level. It's the same thing as fear porn. I just I have too much faith in the oversoul to ever assume that such a benevolent, loving, eternal being is ever going to put us into any real danger. That's the whole purpose of the simulacrum. So we can learn all these things and go through all these things. And then when it's all over with and collapsed, we have developed, we have gained, we, we, we have, we have become more, uh, I mean, it's, a uh, but we didn't really suffer any consequences of all these bad decisions. It was all in a construct. We weren't even in the real reality. Yeah, it's the perfect place for immortals to, to become who they're going to be. It's the perfect place to recycle and reboot the entire system full of all those who are not ready to move on. Because a, a true loving God is not going to reward those who are not ready. Because you're going to be doing worse things when you when you go into a, another construct you're not prepared for. So here's a beautiful place where memory can be temporarily wiped, where you can learn, develop, do all kinds of things. And it's like a video game. But really, people are horrified by the idea of being recycled all the way thousands of years. But truth be told, this is some type of very, very advanced spiritual technology far beyond any virtual reality programming that we have today. And because time dilation is a very real thing in programming, then every bit of this experience could be under an hour every bit of it and we just won't feel that or understand it until it's over so let me ask you a question jason uh what happens to people who die after 1902 if they're if they're errants so let's say that let's say they're, they're at a certain level of uh development and they've gotten it to a certain degree what happens to okay them? i i have i have two scenarios for you that i and i believe both of them one is that some of them are just so grateful that this time they weren't cycled back in that they don't even want to entertain re-entering it. I don't know how they died on the battlefields of World War One. I. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if. Uh, uh, I just. I just don't know. Um, World War Two. The the pogroms. The uh, the genocides after World War Two. However, they died. The Great Flu that killed a lot of people in 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 the nineteen early twentieth uh, century. However, they died. They might not want to come back in, but they've made it. Their their security is there. So we have imagery in the prophetic material of altars that contain all these souls. And like, like in the seven seals, in the fifth seal, we have an altar full of souls ready. They're ready to move on. But the oversoul is not ready to release them from the altar because it's not time yet. We haven't fulfilled the whole calendar yet. We're not at the year. We're not at that year yet where he comes to set the captives free. That's one group. One group is quarantined. They're still in the construct, but now they're together 
They might be sharing their experiences. They might be, and it may not be a bad thing at all because it, time for them wouldn't be a linear progression like it is for us in physicality. For them, it may be different. They're sharing experiences, and, and there's probably a lot of people in there. But remember, I have said this on my channel, that I believe that there are those of us who have volunteered, even though it was time for us to move on, we volunteered to come back. And in doing that, we knew we were going to suffer great things, but we did that to ourselves. Uh, I believe I believe that I'm one of those people, and there's no one that can take that belief from me. But, but uh, I've had that belief. I've had that idea since I was a little kid that that uh, I was I was destined to inform people of a lot of things. I mean, I was a reader. I can almost came out the womb reading. I mean, uh, I told my child. I've told my childhood. To uh, all through my, my videos, I mean, I was forced to go to a library. I first hated it, and then I then I learned to love it. And, and my mom, Doris, was puritanical church church administrator, and she made me every single week check out a nonfiction book. And uh, I was allowed to check out one fiction book, but uh, at an early age, I fell in love with nonfiction. Way before I went to prison, I was already well read. So I'm all. Uh, yeah, I believe that there's two. They fall into two categories. I believe that those are just tired, ready to move on. Then, then they're sequestered, and we see glimpses of them in the in the in the revelation before they're released. And then, oh, uh, oh, uh, I believe that there are those who have volunteered. I believe it's many. It's a lot more than you think. Who said, "Hey, I'm not. I'm not done. I'm. I'm glad that I'm ready to go, and that I've been sealed. It's time. I'm going back in. I'm going back in. There's work to do." So I believe there's two categories uh, of those who are ready. If the construct was to collapse now, it would be those who were sequestered making their escape, their exodus, with all those who had volunteered. Now, this introduces something that I have never talked about on my channel, ever, Go because I don't want to be accused of re religiosity or, or anything like that. But this theory of two groups of souls during the harvest period actually lends credit to a belief system that I used to think was absolutely ridiculous. You know, but but uh if we have if we have a group during the apocalypse that's still in their avatars, and they're still in their avatars, and the time comes for the exodus, which is not going to be something that the rest of the world even knows is happening. Ain't no spaceship showing up. None of that stuff. Just as invisible as the Oversoul has always been throughout the history of our construct, the Exodus will be invisible as well. And all the redeemed, the elect, the chosen, the errants, they're gone. Psh, gone. But so will vanish all those who are still in their avatars at that period. And it's going to become a great mystery to everybody who is left behind. So is this the rapture? I hate that word. I really do. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I know. I know. But I'm with you. I actually, I've actually reached very, very similar conclusions uh, in this last phase of my research. Let's move on to 2040. 18 more years. You got 18 more years. Now, I, I mean, there's only so much I can. I've been, I've been telling people and informing people about this date since the year 2003 or 2004. I knew about it in 2003 and drew a chart that went viral in an email campaign by a school teacher who, who come across one of my charts and she just emailed everybody in the, in the world. I started getting all kinds of mail. I was in prison, but uh, uh, 
then Paranoia Magazine published my Phoenix article. And then after that, Booktree published all my books. So 2040 is the next Phoenix phenomenon. And people don't really need to fear, especially the Western world. It's a, we have a we have a 25% attrition, which means or 75% of the people will survive in 2040. And that's worldwide, uh, correct? Yes. Now, what, what, what Phoenix is really going to do is infrastructure collapse. All right. Now, 25% of the world's population is terrible. That's terrible loss of life. But in the Western world, out of that 25%, maybe only 5% will be there. The greater number, 20% about of that is uh, about 80% of all the loss of life is going to be in the East, China, Central Asia stuff like that but the western world's not going to get it until six and a half years later nostradamus is very clear about that uh so is the revelation record the trumpet records but 2040 is going to bring more than it's going to bring death it's actually going to bring change a huge change human the human avatar is intrinsically connected and coded in accordance to the biosphere that it occupies this is the value of knowing about what's about to happen. I believe the elite have a really good idea about what changes are going to happen in the human body. I believe they know way more. They're way more steps ahead than we are. When the vapor canopy returns, and it will return quickly, when the vapor canopy returns in 2040 by the Phoenix phenomenon, it's going to change humans. Humans are going to have new abilities. Humans are going to... Are, are, we're going to be able to do more with the avatars that we have. It will also, it will also be much harder to die. You'll really, really, really have to work to kill somebody or to kill yourself. So yeah, under vapor canopy conditions, everything is heightened healing. Now at the same time, we're going to, I mean, the revelation is very clear. One third of the sun, one third of the moon, one third of the stars, one third of the day, one third of the night, every bit of it is reduced by a third, leaving 66.6% to be perceived by, by those who survive. So we have a fundamentally different world. Second Esdras goes into detail in different prophetic uh, passages about what's going to happen, changes in the human body, changes in babies that are born. Yeah, uh, everything is quickened. Everything is quickened. Uh, a baby's out walking and talking within three months. It's crazy. The, th the prophecies are in Second Esdras. So uh, 2040 is bringing a lot of change. The death is mostly in the East. In the West, it's all infrastructure collapse and total change in the biosphere, making all solar technology obsolete, making all wind turbine technology absolutely obsolete. Yeah, power structures surfing, are going to turn to like... Surfing obsolete too, which I'm very sad about. Surfing is going to just disappear. Surfing. What is? Surfing. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we're going to have... waves. It's going to be a more stagnant world. We're going to have all kinds. The salinity in the seas are going to change. But yeah, a whole. Uh, uh, it's not just going to be humans changing. Animals will change. Marine life will change. Insects will change. Amb ambient radiation uh, uh, from hundreds of volcanoes. Phoenix always causes volcanoes. This time it's going to cause a lot. But the ambient radiation release, uh, I know you've watched my videos, the scientists that grew two inches just from exposure. Imagine if this is going on all around the world and the vapor canopy appears and it's intact, trapping that, that ambient radiation with 
with increased atmospheric pressure, with a oxygen oxygen dense air. I mean, the ability. Uh, imagine ability. Imagine having the ability to just calm yourself, slowly breathe, and then take one big breath and then dive. 70 80 and 90 feet below 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 a surface and go get deep clams deep shells and be able to see down there and hold your breath for nine minutes the changes that are going to come in the human body are real there were this is these are the subject matter to many traditions and legends from the ancient world about about when the vapor canopy existed back then as in the days of noah yes so we're returning back to the days of Noah. That's what the apocalypse is about. But 2040 is the return of Phoenix. It will be seen by all, but it's going to wreck. It's going to wreck shop in Asia. The Western world's basically getting a pass. Only coastal cities are really going to be ruined. You know, uh, because of my my work with with DNA and healing, a lot of people have asked me about about. Uh, what happens with the human body entering the vapor canopy going back into the vapor canopy as opposed to coming out of the vapor canopy right and so what happens with a an existing human being not a baby born under the vapor canopy but a normal person and i've heard you say that you know that dna is kind of fixed or whatever although i would i would disagree with that i think epigenetically we have we have uh, genetic changes all the time every day they're, they're constantly hopping around and well, i agree with that too i agree with and, that too and you've got uh you've got the example of the scientist back in, in was it madagascar who grew a couple of inches which is just insane because they were old older men and they came back home and they had you know they were larger so that's that that suggests also that if you get a full vapor canopy full ambient radiation all of that trapped in and beaming back down you can you could actually see very significant changes even in your 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 current body prior to another you know line of uh, children being born yeah I'm, i mean i agree that there's going to be changes in everybody but the greatest changes are going to be those in who are born. I, I yeah, I, I'm 100. I agree. But coming out of the vapor canopy in 2239 BC, hey, it it created a really unique situation. That unique situation is the subject matter of the most incredible stories in the ancient world, and that is when the day this after the sky fell, there was in the world titans. And those titans, when they when they had children, they gave they gave birth to giants, which were much smaller than them. And that's totally weird. <laughs> then the giants, the giants, their generation had children, and they gave birth to normal-sized humans, which is again totally weird. What happened in the ancient world after the day the sky fell that created that phenomenon that within one century we had many, many tens of thousands of normal-sized humans, hundreds of giants, and, and maybe a hundred titans, all in the same generation, all living at the exact same time. This is the subject matter of the oldest, the stories of Kronos and the stories of Hesiod and Sankuniathin and, and uh, Diodorus Siculus. They recorded all this time period, and it's fascinating, but it, it shows you if, if this is what happened when the vapor canopy departed, then just the opposite will occur when it returns. Yes, yes. 
So moving uh, moving beyond 2040 and the vapor canopy, let's talk 2046. 2046 is the real is the real end date for the Mayan long count, and the Mayan long count has two two series of prophecies that are attached to it. This is the 1,872,72nd day of the Mayan long count. It's 144,000 days each backton. It's 13 backtons. When this occurs, it didn't, it didn't end in 2012. It ends in 2046. Two things happen. One, time will collapse. This is Mayan prophecy. Time be time collapsing is exactly what we find in 2046, which is the second and third trumpet judgments in the in the apocalypse, which is right after the Phoenix, which is the sixth seal. Right after in the in the in the in the apocalyptic narrative, in the in the beginning of the apocalypse, the first thing that happens to our world while it has a vapor canopy or the vapor canopy is building, all of a sudden wormwood appears in the sky. And when it and when it does, we have a reduction of 33.3% of the sun, the moon, day, night, and the stars. Earth is quickened. Now, the, the day and the night move much rapidly. How is that possible? You remove eight hours from a 24-hour day. How is that possible? You remove a third of a 365-day year, which would be, what, 120, 122.5 days. Just remove you just remove that from now the world is spinning faster, at least the stellosphere is showing that, and it's going around the sun faster, and the stellosphere again is showing that by obliquity. So we have this collapse of time. What is time? Time is the reliable measurements of the sky. The, my, remember, Mayan astronomers were called sky watchers. They were very revered by the people. They kept the times just like. The, uh, I believe it was the Reubenites, maybe it was a different tribe, but of the 12 tribes of the Jews, one of them were, were the keepers of time, timekeepers. Nostradamus claimed descent from that tribe. So, uh, yeah, 2046 is the collapse of time, meaning the world is going to start moving differently. Now, what's really interesting is that in 1922, da engineer David Davidson made a discovery when he was when he was analyzing the geometry of the four base diagonals of the Great Pyramid. And he claims, without knowing anything about the Mayan long count, without knowing anything about 2046 being this, this event, he concluded that the final year of the Great Pyramid's documentation geometrically of Earth's orbital orbital duration, for some reason he doesn't know, is the year 2045. He said it's the final year. He doesn't know why. He says, but according to the Great Pyramid, 2045 is the last year our world will be in this type of orbit. That's wow. a phenomenal discovery and observation to make from a guy who published that in 1926, not knowing any of this other data. That's amazing. It's amazing. I showed I show his research in several of my videos. That's how profoundly I affected who I was when I had read it. But 2046, time collapses. The Mayans say the Maya say that an invasion of demons will occur. They call him the T Z O L something Tzoy. Tozoi Tzimines or something, but anyway, it's like the it's like the biblical Zamzumums or something. But uh, this is the same thing Revelation says. 
Revelation says 200 million demons will come out of the, the deep, the underworld, and they will invade the surface. Yeah, it's exactly what Revelation says. It's a, the Abaddon will have the key to the deep, and he'll open up the key to the deep, and out of the underworld will emerge 200 million locusts. Now, remember, what are locusts? Why are these demonic entities that attack humans called locusts? Locusts are destroyers of the harvest. Remember, this is the harvest period. This is the harvest period, but they're no longer here. They're not, they're not destroying the, the redeemed, the errants, the elect. Yeah, those, those who, have, who have saved themselves by believing and having faith in the oversoul. That, that's not who they're, they're, they're to harvest. The oversoul is harvesting them. He comes to set the captives free. He's the chief cornerstone. It's a whole different set of prophecies. This harvest is a demonic harvest. This is an attack against the avatar. Since these individualized souls wanted to worship the avatar and not the immortal soul itself, then they're given that as a punishment during the apocalypse. And this is what is said of these demons. They are given power over mankind to hurt and to torment for 150 days. That 150 days is a perfect mirroring of the 150 days mentioned in the book of Genesis of the great flood when the world was baptized. All this, all this prophetic material, it also serves as a palindrome. The, the actual narratives of the Bible, Bible are very palindromic in eschatology. Yeah, that's exactly right. How amazing all of this is. You also have mentioned something about those errants who might be alive during that period, uh, maybe being in their real avatars or being given powers in the simulation as they're going about their ministry. Uh, could you speak to that? That was just so. Uh, okay. That's during, that's during this period. And now we have, now we have, now we have a narrowing because by the time of this, of this demonic invasion, by the time this occurs in like 2048, 2049, by the time this happens, there's only 144,000 errants or redeemed left. All the rest, the harvest is almost over. These are the final 144,000 that dress the Great Pyramid. Remember, there's a, a French mathematicians have measured it all out using the casing blocks that are already in situ at the Great Pyramid, and they determined that the Great Pyramid was once covered in 144,000 white gleaming uh limestone casing blocks that's that's what these 144,000 are in the apocalypse the final question uh so, sure what okay so you know the white robe the white stone they, those are equivalent so basically yes 144,000 who are that's not just the the total number of all the elect that's the ones who stay behind no 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 no, no. absolutely ones, not the other ones are out of here right they're they're gone and then you would have the 144,000 receiving their something like the white garment in the simulation is that a, a fair statement yes and the reason re the the evidence of this is the fact that the passage reads that uh, there is no power that can harm them, and they're given free reign to execute their testimony and tell everybody in the world what's going on, and the demons can't hurt them, and nothing can touch them until it's time for them to go, and uh, it's time for them to deal. But yes, the, the 144,000 like prophets or or holy people in the very last days at the end in the apocalypse, 
That's just a thin skin on the Great Pyramid. Every single block of the Great Pyramid represents a soul of man, which is it's supposed to be emblematic of a countless number. So, yes, and the altar, just like the altar of Agni in ancient times was a reference to the Great Pyramid. We know this because the altar of Agni had 10,800 blocks. It's just adding a zero to the original 1080 that identified the Great Pyramid. Further, the old altar of Agni symbolized fire in India. Well, we already know that pyramid is fire in the middle. Same, the same thing with the other uh, appearances of the altar in, in the Bible. Because in Isaiah chapter 19, we have an altar in the midst of the land of Egypt and at the border thereof. And it's for a testimony and a sign. And we know that that's the great pyramid that's being mentioned in the book, in the book of Isaiah. Many, this was known 200 years ago. This isn't Jason telling you this. Many researchers made that conclusion. But uh, it's, it's, yeah, all these souls that are sequestered during the harvest, they are the monument of man. But the monument of man, each soul is a stone. It's not complete until it's covered. Remember, the apocalypse is the uncovering. This is a play on words. Uncovering means all the truths are revealed. Even the people who chose to stay in the construct, the truths, the truths are revealed. This is why the 144,000 is out there. They are uncovering everything and letting everybody know this is what you did to yourself. We done been through all these life sims and here's what you did. Here's how history unfolded. 144,000 teachers are going to be given the game. People are going to learn the truth in the apocalypse. And then these demons are going to start punishing them, but they can't die. Vapor canopies making it almost impossible for people to die. And, and God limits their punishment to 150 days. And it's like the sting of a scorpion and they get boils and all that. And these demons attack them. But the play on words of apocalypse goes back to apocalyption. These 144,000 at when they die, they are, they become the 144,000 casing blocks that protect as armor, the monument of man. And only once the 144,000 casing blocks are on the monument of man, this is all symbolism, prophetic symbolism. I'm not saying that we're going to put 144,000 casing blocks back on the original great pyramid in Egypt. That is a prophecy in stone. But when the apocalypse, in the apocalypse, when these 144,000 die, they cover over. Now the uncovering, the unveiling is over. Now they cover over the monument of man. Only once that's done can he who's coming to set the captives free execute his plans. The return of the chief cornerstone on the top of the monument requires a monument that is finished. And this is the subject matter to a very obscure record that is now called the Shepherd of Hermas. And I encourage people to listen to go to go read that. It's long, but it's a it's a it's almost a, a hermetic Gnostic text that was borrowed borrowed into Christianity. It's fascinating. Christian, we have the we have the Christian version, but it wasn't a Christian version when it was originally written. It was hermetic and all the clues in the syntax is there. It was rewritten by a Christian monk to sound very Christian, but it's not. It's a hermetic text. That text is very revealing about everything I'm telling you now, the, about the pyramid being built by these divine beings and the one who built it and how each soul represents a stone and how some of them had to be taken out 
and new ones put into their place. This is adoption. This is a, a some people thought their that their eternal security was secure, and they condemned others, and they had to be removed from the monument. Others took their place. This is all in that document. It is very, very deep. It's called the Shepherd of Hermas. And that's H-E-R-M-A-S. So, so just the so. H-E, yeah, H-E-R-M-A-S, Shepherd yeah, yeah. of Hermas. Yeah. So, so you know, we're 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 closing in on the end of our our time and our numbers and stuff. And we, you just got to twenty one oh six again and the return of the chief cornerstone. But if you could, if you, if we could just break this down slightly, so you've got this one hundred and forty four thousand doing their ministry during the time of tribulation. Right. And that is what prepares their 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 I guess their active ministry and they're assuming this role that that is the fulfillment of the monument of man the the um or, or well if when they die once they, they die once they and they, die. and they and they are gathered with those who have been sequestered now yes. the monument of man is complete and so is that when the exodus happens or does it happen in 78 I ordinarily don't like to talk about things that I haven't yet released information about. And just, I have a lot of information on this, but I haven't gone past uh, 2023, 2024 and all, all my dissertations much, just very small fragments. But I'm going to tell you right now, because you're going to see the research. Uh, I have a Chronicon team about to put this, put it all together. You're going to see the eschatology and the math and how it all works out. But the actual year that this exodus will occur is 2070, which is a Phoenix number. Oh it's not God. on the Phoenix timeline. It's not on the Phoenix timeline. 2070 AD, though, is, is divisible perfectly by 138, but it's on the Anno Domini, year of our Lord timeline, ah. and it's divisible by 138. So, uh, and so, yes, you're going to see what Nostradamus had to say and what you're, you're going to see a lot of stuff, but 2070 is when these 144,000 are killed. Yeah, they're given free reign for a while, like they're immortals, but they will be killed. Okay, and then how do you envision what what is it like when the cornerstone comes back in twenty one oh six? Can you give a kind of image or an idea? You're not gonna. Hey, you and I, you and I, and a lot of people listening to us, we're not gonna be here after. Right, I get, I get that, but what would people see? You know, when I hear chief cornerstone, what do you think? Uh, visually happens in the simulation when the chief okay. stone reappears all right well check this out i need you're going far so i need to be very careful about what i say because i have not released these things on my own channel yet i told you i got hundreds of videos left in me this is so i'm going to give it to you really a, a short i respect that in abbreviated nutshell okay yeah. listen 2070 those who are going, those who are sealed, that's what the seven seals is about. In 2070, those who are sealed are going to be, those are the ones who will be removed from the construct, but they're going to be giving, given their new avatars. Their new avatars allow them to do many other things outside the construct, to go enjoy other constructs. But in here, they're still here. They have not left. The Exodus event is is not really taking place yet. They're just removed from the world scene. I can't tell you where they are. I don't know. They're just, I know they're still here though because of what happens. The, the demon invasion, the apocalypse unfolds, the government of the seven kings takes over the government of the ten kings. The 
This is a play of what happened before the flood. In, in the book of Revelation, we have a repeat of history of the social government, government situation that happened right before the great flood. And this was a 10-king dynasty that opposed a 7-king dynasty that was ruled by a matriarch. This is the Sumerian king list. And in the old historic version, during the vapor canopy, the seven kings defeated three of the kings and brought the other seven under subject uh, uh, under unto their dominion. The matriarch took total power, and this is what happened then. So, in the apocalypse, we have a similar thing unfolding, but we're not participants. I'm not going to be a participant. These this is for those who chose the world. Now. Those who chose the world are going to prepare for a war, a battle. For some reason, they are made to believe that they have a shot and they're going to prepare for war. Enter in Armageddon. But what happens at Armageddon? All these prophecies that we have about the day of the Lord, and especially like the Syashuant, all the Iranian prophecies from which many Christian, uh, much of Christian eschatology comes from the old Iranian records. A lot of people don't know that. Zoroastrian eschatology is absolutely rich with visions of the future. And And what we have is a invasion of There's going to be a a war, and it's going to be centrally focused at attacking a group that is defending the Great Pyramid. And in this battle, the defenders are outnumbered, but they're all wearing white robes. They can't be hurt, but they're outnumbered like millions to one. And when, when it looks like they're about to get overran, even though they're not getting hurt, the chief cornerstone descends to complete the entire monument. This is Armageddon. This is the this is the pyramid prophecy. This is what we have pieced together with all these all, all these eschatological fragments. Remember, in the, in the prophecies of the day of the Lord, when the Lord comes to re, when He comes to return, who's coming with Him? Do you remember? It's very specific in the prophecies. There are all kinds of of people coming with, not just angels. But the the spirits of the elect are also descending from the sky. The armies of the Lord, right? Yes, to enter, to to sit here and battle this whole deal out for for Armageddon. This is why the 144,000 are killed, because everybody is removed, taken somewhere else in the simulation, and prepared for for this war. Battle of Armageddon happens, the, the, the... Call it the AI system, call it Yaldabaoth, call it, call it the Demiurge, whatever, is confined, put away. And then there is a period of time where all the people of the earth begin to learn from the chief cornerstone. It's called the Stone Kingdom. You can call it whatever you want, Messianic Kingdom. You can, you can Hebraicize it or whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But now the stone kingdom has defeated the kingdoms of gold, the kingdoms of silver, the kingdoms of brass and iron, and, and iron mixed with miry clay. All the historic human wrought kingdoms have now fallen to the stone kingdom. And the stone for in during the stone kingdom, we don't have a lot. We know the lion lays down with the lamb and all this stuff. We know it's a period of peace. We know all that. But then comes another event. 
another event. I believe Christians added a, a, a thousand years where never where a thousand years wasn't it was never specified in any other prophecies. But they they're talking about talking about the uh, another war in the Book of Revelation. There's a thousand year period, and far in the future, and there's one final war. But uh, I don't believe it's that long. I believe in 2178, it's a total 100% reboot. And uh, everybody goes where they're supposed to go. And uh, some stay here and recycle and others go through it. But this is a this is a very concise, abbreviated overview to a, to a bunch of data that I have not yet released because I wasn't ready. So I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Well, I, I I hope it was okay to bring that up. I wasn't. I, oh, wasn't. I don't mind. I don't mind. I just you already know I'm very on my own channel. I, 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 I'm I'm almost neurotic about uh, if I'm going to tell you all these things, I, I need to be able to show them to you too. I don't, and I haven't I haven't got that far with my own group. Well, you got me. I mean, I'm 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 going to be following through this thread till the end. So I'm I, you know I will await your your uh, your opportunity your you know the, the right moment for you to show and share all of that. Um, Jason, this has been unbelievable. I mean, it's been really really incredible. I I, I would like to give you the last word uh, before we before we close out here. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and knowledge. And I, you know, I just I'm really really thankful that you you came into my life hey man i pre i feel i feel that it's genuine i appreciate that and that's all hey you know what that's all that's all i really ask i get, I get emails of people who are appreciative and i feel that energy because hey i hey i can always use a pat on the back there's no doubt all right brother till the next time yeah i'm good uh schedule us again soon january sometime we'll we'll do another round Let's do it. Let's do it.